Jesus, Lord, we, uh, we thank you. God, we thank you that, Father, that amongst everything else in our lives, Father, the one thing that remains, the one thing that reigns true, the one thing that stays the same, but yet always seems to continually change and gather us back to you, Father, is Jesus Christ. And Father, we, uh, God, we thank you, we applaud you. God, we are grateful for that. Lord, you are stunning. God, I'm just so in awe today of how powerful you really are, God, how gracious you really are, God, how loving, God, you really are, Father, in the midst of everything else in our lives, Father, that you continually, continually, continually draw us back to you. You continually focus in, and God, your majesty is above everything else in our lives. God, we have nothing to fear in this world, God, but you. God, you are the one that orchestrates and you put everything together. God, you are the one that continually brings us joy. And God, I pray tonight, Father, as we look into your word, God, that your word would be the most important thing in this room tonight. God, your truth, God, what you want us to understand, what you want us to focus on, God, may it be number one tonight. May it be the centralized of everything we do here tonight. God, may we be open God, may we be able to receive it. And God, may we have grace, Father, to understand, Father, what you want to say to us tonight. God, pray that you would remove me. God, that these students, God, my own heart, Father, would see you in a new way. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody in here like football? I love football, man. We are... We're into college football, we're into the pro season, uh, coming to the end of the pro season, Super Bowl is coming up, uh, my Atlanta Falcons are one step closer to, to the Super Bowl, got a tough matchup this week, but that's okay, I'm, I'm all about uh, some football, whether it's college or pro, whatever the case is, I love following it, I love keeping uh, up with everything, but the cool thing about... Uh, the cool thing about the NFL is, man, these are some, like, freak athletes. Can you agree? Like, these guys are, like, the best of the best uh, above everything else, above everybody else. Like, they are the ones that get selected. Like, it's just a small group, like, of the thousands of college students across the world uh, that get selected to become part of the NFL. Now, imagine, if you will, we are, right here, this group, we are a professional dodgeball team. Can you picture that? In a few weeks, I'll give you a little teaser. In a few weeks, we're going to play some dodgeball. But right now, imagine, if you will, we are a professional dodgeball team. We're a little big, but we got, we got a lot of people here, but we are a professional dodgeball team, all right? Picture that. And our first game that we have coming up, we're faced off against some of the best Pro Bowl NFL players that there are. We're set up to play a dodgeball game with some really, really, really strong, athletic NFL players. Now, what's your first reaction? We're doomed. We're doomed. What else? We're going to die. We're, we're going to die. We've already lost. Yeah. Not a good situation probably going into that game. You kind of have imagined, uh, imagined that you're a little bit feeling like you're already defeated, right? Right? Like you go into it with an attitude, you're like, okay, this is, this is kind of just going to be just a few minutes and we'll be done. It'll be over. Right? But imagine, if you will, if the next game we play, 
we get pinned up against some six-year-olds. You, what's your first reaction to that? They going down. What else? We're going to win. We've already won. Right? You go into it with a little bit of a different attitude than if we were going up against some, like, crazy pro ball NFL players, right? Like, you're, when you go into that, you're acting, like, a little bit defeated, like, this is already over. When you go into it with, like, six-year-olds, you're like, okay, that's not even a contest. We got this. It's over. We've already won, right? It's a totally different opposite attitudes, right? So why is it, riddle me this, why is it that in the midst of our Christian life, we know what the end result is? We go into this battle of our Christian life, we go into this battle knowing that we've already won, right? Christ came, he went to Calvary, he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, right? so that we have a way back to him. He already came. He already defeated the cross. It's already done. He defied death. He defeated death, and he rose again. But yet, for some reason, some reason, we kind of still act like we're defeated. We walk around our day-to-day life acting like we've already lost, like we don't really know what's going to happen. Why do we act as if we're already defeated when Christ has already won? First Thessalonians is where we're going to be laying it tonight. First Thessalonians 1. If you never looked in Thessalonians, it's right behind the epistles, right before First and Second Timothy and Second Thessalonians. <clears throat> A little bit of, I guess, background to what I'm going to be talking about is... Over the next couple weeks, I want to be central. I want you to like be centralized, be thinking about what it means. Check this out. Everybody look right here. What it means to be mission-minded. I want you to think about that. Look up here. I want you to think about what it means to be mission-minded. Okay? So as we go over the next couple weeks, I want you to think about what that means. And especially right here tonight, because we're going to talk about it. In my opinion, my personal opinion, being mission-minded is this. My own personal opinion, being mission-minded is this. It's realizing that this, all this, our world, our life, it's realizing that this is not about us. We kind of touched about that a little bit last week, right? You guys here last week? talked about how everything in this world revolves around one plan, and that's God's plan. And to be mission-minded in my way of thinking, the way I kind of personalize it, is that this, everything that we know about our life, our Christian life even, is that it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you, but it is about who's in your heart. I want you to look with me in First Thessalonians you can give you a little bit of background on what we're talking about. We're looking at Thessalonians, and Thessalonians is uh, about the church of Thessalonica. Paul is writing. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He has gone. He has basically uh, been charged and challenged to go, and uh, he helps start the new church, start the church, and uh, 
Paul has written many, many letters. He wrote, he wrote several letters before this, uh, but he writes to the church of Thessalonica. And Thessalonica, I'm telling you right now, is, it was a very, very strategically located place, okay? Thessalonica was a city of about 100,000 people, all right? So back in that time, that's a pretty big city. And so, and then also, it was kind of the way it was centralized, where it was located. All these places, like trade routes and everything, people were coming and going all the time, okay? So there's a lot of exposure and a lot of people coming in and out of Thessalonica. So look at, in 1 Thessalonians 1, starting in verse 2, and I'm going to kind of walk through this together. And again, remember, what does it mean to be mission-minded? It says, we give thanks, starting in verse 2, it says, we give thanks to God for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and your Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness, steadfastness, excuse me, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He immediately starts off, a lot of times Paul does this, he immediately starts off and he says, I'm thankful for you. He's very encouraging. He says, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the way that you replicate, the way you model the, the basics, the essential marks of the Christian faith. That's what he's saying. He talks about faith, hope, and love, right? There's several other places in which Paul writes that he mentions the words faith, hope, and love in kind of a trio. He talks about this as kind of like a common Paul thing. In Romans 5, 2 through 5, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, in Galatians 5, 5 through 6, Ephesians 4, 2 and 5, I mean, it just goes on and on. He talks about faith, hope, and love. And he's kind of applauding the church at Thessalonica, and he's saying, listen, I'm thankful for the way that you've shown the essentials of the Christian faith. Faith, hope, and love. You've got to have faith in God, faith to know that he's going to do what he says to do. He's going to accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish. Hope and, and, and hope in God and know that he's, uh, he's there, he's moving, he's active, and he's being. Uh, love, knowing that above everything else in our lives that we're supposed to love God and love other people, Right? It's like the basics of our faith, right? And he's saying, I'm thankful for you guys because you're showing these things to other people. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the Jewish Christians, and he's saying, I'm thankful for your faith, hope, and love. Starting in verse 4, it says, For we know, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Paul begins by thanking them for their essential marks of Christianity. And he continues, and he says, if you choose to follow Christ, if you've chosen, he says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So he's talking to the Christian. He's saying, if you've accepted Christ, you've been chosen. Okay? If you've accepted Christ, you've been chosen. Kind of like when you, when you, anybody have any military family? Like, or friends? You know anybody? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of us do. And when they go to sign kind of the initial process, whenever they go and kind of to sign their life away, so to speak, they're signing on the dotted line. They're saying, I want to be a part and committed to the army or committed to the military. And they sign their name, right? 
And the military then says, we've chosen you and we're going to send you into battle. Okay? It's kind of the, it's kind of the same thing. God's saying, if, if, if you come to faith in me, if you know me as Lord, then I've chosen you. Who in here tonight, and I just want to, I just want to ask, and I'm just being a little blunt, and if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know, if you don't know him as your Lord, if you don't know him as the one who came into your life and, and brought salvation to you, if you don't know him as the one who died on the cross and was raised again so that you may have life, that you can spend eternity with him, if you don't know him like that, that's okay. I hope and I pray that you do come to know him, but that's okay. But I want to ask right now, if, if you know Christ, and if you don't know him, that's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to feel tied into this. You don't have to feel like you have to raise your hand because your friend next to you is raising your hand. That's okay. But I just want to ask, who in here tonight believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Majority of us, right? So tonight, I want to, I want to speak directly to you, Okay? If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to leave or anything like that, but I want you to be tuned into what I have to say because it's just as important. It's just as important to hear because I want you to be exposed to the gospel. But tonight, I want to I charge you guys as believers in Christ because God's saying if you truly believe in me, if you truly have accepted me into your heart and life, if you want and choose salvation in me, God says, I've chosen you. Before you were even born, before the foundations of the world, I chose you. He's saying, if you accepted him, he said, I've, I chose you before you even made that decision. I chose you before you were even born, right? And God's saying right here, he says, I've chosen you. Not only did we receive his word, it says, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, right here, Bible, God's holy word to us. You hear me talk about it all the time, how God's word is essential to our faith, right? God's word is essential to our faith. Your devotion, I challenge you to read this, this Bible every day because this is God's holy word to us, right? If you choose salvation in Christ, he's saying, this is my word to you. This is how you get to know me, right? He says, if you choose, he says, I have chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, God's word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. He's saying that when you accepted Christ, we've talked about this last semester in accordance to the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, the mystery of the gospel is that Christ then comes to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit then comes to reside inside of you. So you not only then get to live out the Christian life, but you get to live out the Christian life with the one who lived it out perfectly living inside of you. Got it? The one who lived it out perfectly amongst everybody else in this world is residing inside of you. If you truly believe that, God is living inside of you. He said the, the word is not only, not only do we receive the word, but we also receive the Holy Spirit, the mystery. Ephesians 8, <coughs> Ephesians 8, 6, 18 through, or 19 through 20 says this. Paul's talking and he's praying and he says, he's talking to them, he's saying, pray for me. And he says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. Remember that word. For which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He's saying that in the midst of, 
in the midst of everything that Paul is going through, in the midst of everything that he's doing, he's saying, the one thing that I need you to pray for me about is that because I'm a Christian, because I'm living out my faith, I need you to pray for me to, to have boldness to not only receive the gospel, receive the Holy Spirit, but boldness to proclaim it, to take it and proclaim it, to share it with other people, right? 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5 says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. He says, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And listen to this, I love this. It says, be and be imitators. You, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. He said, when you came to Christ, I chose you. He says, and you received power, not only in my word, but power in the Holy Spirit. And he says, and then you became imitators. He's talking to the church. He's saying, listen, you became imitators of Christ. Who knows what the word imitate means? To copy, right? To model, to show. He's saying you became imitators of Christ. You are now to show Christ. You catch that? When you become a Christian, the essentials of your faith are being practiced, but here's the, here's the, here's the kicker. You are now to become like Christ. You are now to imitate Christ. You are now to love and, and show Christ. He says become Christ. It says, be imitators of Christ. Be Christ. Become Christ to those around you. Continues on, he says, well, let me tell you a story. There's a story, there's an old story of a man. And this man had, he was born with a lot of facial deformities. He was very, very messed up in his face and he's very, very hard to look at. Nobody really would go near him and a lot of people were afraid of him because his face was messed up. And he went throughout his life, and he was really lonely. And he didn't know what to do. One day, he, he was kind of moving to change towns to kind of get away. And he ends up going into the store, and he finds a mask. He sees this mask and puts it on and realizes when he puts on this mask, he's, he's a pretty handsome-looking dude. So he puts on this mask, and he starts to wear this mask day after day. And at first, it's really, really uncomfortable because this mask was not fit for his face. His face was really messed up and deformed, and, <clears throat> and it was really, really hard to wear it. It was really uncomfortable, really unnatural. Had a really, really hard time with it. But at first, he was like, well, this is better. Being uncomfortable is better than what I was. And so he continued to wear this mask day after day, day after day, day after day. He began to meet people began to get friends. He eventually met a woman, fell in love with her. He, he went from having this life of just being entirely lonely, kind of rejected, to wearing this mask and understanding that, man, people like me now. I'm a good-looking guy. I found a woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And one day this woman comes to him and she says, I really, I really want to see you without the mask. I want, to, I want to see what's underneath. And he had a hard time with it, but eventually... He took off the mask. And what she found when she looked upon him was a really, really handsome dude. He had spent so much time day after day wearing this mask that his face actually conformed to the shape of the mask. 
It's kind of a weird story, but it directly transfers and relates because it's, if you put on Christ day after day, man, at first it's going to be really uncomfortable. It's going to be really unnatural. You're not going to want to do it. It's not going to be what it's all made out to be, right? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not, it's not going to be what you want to do. But day after day, as you put on Christ, day after day after day after day after day, eventually you become more like Christ. The more you get to know him, the more you put on Christ, the more your body and your way of living conforms and you continue to transform and look like Christ. You get that? It's not comfortable at first. It's not easy at first. At first, we, it's really hard to imitate Christ at every turn, but I'm telling you, the more you put on Christ, the more you're going to transform and you're going to be able to show people Christ. And day after day, as you continue to know, get to know him by his word, and get to know him by reflecting him and showing others who Christ is, it's going to be easier after a long period of time to continue to show Christ. Not easier in the sense that temptation and things aren't going to come, but it's going to be easier in the sense that you're going to continue to put on Christ, and it's going to be easier to continue to put on, put on, and put on Christ and show Christ to the world. <coughs> when you take on Christ, you become an example of him. Look in verse 7, it says, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of God sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. The church of Thessalonica at this point was exploding. He told them, he said, I thank God because you're doing all the essentials of your faith, but not only that, you chose salvation in Jesus Christ, and not only that, you become imitators of him, and so you're showing Christ to the world, and guess what happens? When you do that, revival starts. He said the church exploded. He said, the Lord sounded forth from you, but your faith has gone forth everywhere. Your faith in Christ has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, it says in verse 9, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception <coughs> the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Check this out. You ready for this? And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. If you know anything about Thessalonica, like I talked about, it's very strategically located. It's very much in a, in a fluent place with a lot of people and a lot of opportunity to be able to see what Christ can do in that kind of city. Well, just like Thessalonica, God has placed you strategically. You ever think about that? God has placed you strategically. You're not where you are by accident. You're not who you are by accident. You're not with your family that you're with. You're not with the friends that you're with by accident. Coincidence is dead. Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sin and for my sin, and he found a way out. He gave us new life again. But coincidence died because when he created you, Scripture over and over and over talks about this. It talks about how you were knitted together in your mother's womb, how you were beautifully and intricately made, but it's not only just your physical body. It's your 
intangibles. It's the things that you don't think about. It's your personality. It's Think about if the world's full of extroverts, that wouldn't be a very cool place. Like, you're made the way you are for a reason. God has woven you together for a reason, for a purpose. He strategically made you the way he did, formed you the way he did, and then placed you. Scripture talks about he places us. He placed you where you did, where he did, for a reason, for a purpose. What does it mean to be mission-minded? Paul spoke, Excuse me. Paul spoke a lot to the Thessalonians. Talked about how they repented from their past and committed themselves to serving God. And so I think it's a perfect example of how he's charging us to do the exact same. Scripture, the last verse there, it says, And to wait for his son, Jesus, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, I talked about earlier when we go into that dodgeball game, we act defeated, and it's kind of how we walk into our Christian life and we continually act like God hasn't won. Scripture over and over, man, tells us how Christ has defeated death. He defeated it already. It's done. So that we can now walk in a way with a little bit of swag, a little bit of arrogance, and say, you know what? It's not anything that I've done, but, dude, I'm boasting in my Savior. Check out what he did. He's already won. It's over. It's done. Christ came and died on the cross. I want you to think about these things. Because here's the realities. Look up here. Check this out. Here's the realities. Sin is real. Sin is real. All the junk and gunk and wretchedness of your life my life, sin is real. Look up here. Hell is real. Heaven, it's real. Scripture talks about it over and over. And check this out. Not only that, but eternity is real. This life is but a glimpse, man. It's just a very, very short time because then we're going to spend eternity somewhere. And a lot of us raised our hands in here and said that we know Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. And praise God that we do, because then we get to spend eternity in heaven with him. But think about this. God has strategically placed you where you are for a reason, right? He strategically put you where you are for a reason. He put you in the family he put you in. He put you with the friends he put you in. He put you in the school he put you in, and the sport that you're in. Everything that you encompass your small little middle school world with he puts you in those things for a reason just like he put me where I did for a reason just like when I stopped for gas the other day and I passed by that dude he put me in, a, in that position for a reason he strategically places us over and over for a reason right and we can celebrate the fact that we have life in Jesus and that we're going to go to heaven but what about the dude that sits across from you at lunch or the girl that sits next to you in class that doesn't know Christ, and that's doomed for eternity in hell. A lot of times, you know, people my age and older don't give you guys a lot of credit, and so we kind of protect you from things, but I'm just going to be honest and just be blunt with you and say that those people are doomed for hell. And God has placed you where you are for a reason. 
He's put you around the people you are for a reason. Because this world's not about you. It's about him. And he wants you to share with them the glorious abundance of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times I'll come up to you guys in the lunchroom or come up to you guys at school and kind of poke you and be like, hey, have you shared Christ with her today? And just kind of point to your friend. And it's not to put you on the spot. It's not to annoy you. But it's just to remind you that God has put you next to that person for a reason. Because you may be the only chance that they have at getting an invitation to church or hearing the name of Jesus. It's a really, really cool thing. God has included us in his story, man. He's included us in his plan, and we get a chance to step into it. So tonight, I want to charge you. We got some, we got some cool opportunities coming up. We got some New York and Haiti and a lot of trips that you guys already signed up for. And that's great, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. But don't you dare cross the ocean or cross the state line if you're not willing to cross the lunchroom. God has put you in that position for a reason. And you need to be willing and able to say, God, I love you enough that I want to share you with that person. So tonight, I want to pray. If you just bow your heads with me, I want to pray. I'm going to have Anna come up, and she's going to play softly. And I want you to sit there, and I want you to think, God has called you to be mission-minded. He's called you to realize that it's not about you. And I want you to think about what it means to be mission-minded in your world and your life. So as we bow our heads and we pray, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Christ, and doesn't know him as your, your personal Lord and Savior, that you <clears throat> have never committed to truly following Jesus with your life and truly understanding that that's all this world is really all about, I want you to repeat after me and just say, Jesus, God, I've messed up. I've lived my life for me. I've continually put myself in front of you, and I've continually messed up and made nothing of it. And God, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to repent. I want to say, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the wretchedness that's in my life. Forgive me of the stuff that I continually do and turn away from you. And God, I want to make an impact for your kingdom. I want to be able to share you with other people, God. And I want to ask you right now to come into my life, God, because I truly believe that you came and you died on the cross and that you were resurrected and you defeated death. God, I want to be able to walk with confidence knowing that Christ is my Savior and that I'm going to spend eternity with you. And if that's you tonight, without anybody looking around, that's you tonight. If you, if you pray that with me, I just want you to look up at me and I want you to just be bold with what God's doing in your life. If you really believe that, praise God, man. That's awesome. Praise God. If you truly believe that, that Christ come, came into your life and he's coming into your life right now and he's all powerful, man, praise God. For the rest of us, I just want to pray, and I want, you to, I want you to think about the words as I pray, and hopefully you pray them too, because God, <laughs> we are so, so just 
Father, continually prone to wonder, continually prone to leave you, continually prone to leave your side. And God, I just pray, Father, as we fight temptation, God, as we fight the things in this world that are so hard and so messed up, God, that you would keep us grounded. God, give us a passion for your word. Give us a desire to get to know you on a daily basis. God, may you be the most important thing in our lives. Because God, this world is all about you. And Lord, give us strength. And like Paul prayed, God, give us boldness to proclaim the gospel. Give us boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And God, give us the opportunities, God, as you've already placed us in our, in our worlds. God, you place us next to the locker of that person. Or God, you placed us in the same classroom as that person. And God, I always wondered why I was in four classes with them back to back and they always sat beside me. But God, I know that you have the good news message for me to share with them. And God, I pray that you would help me, give me boldness to just simply ask. Simply ask them if they want to come to church. Simply ask them if they know who Christ is. God, give us boldness. Give us wisdom to know what we need to do. And Father, may we reflect you in the days to come. And Lord, I ask all these things in your beautiful, precious name. Amen. If that was you tonight, if you never made that decision for Christ, and that was something that God just swallowed you in the moment and wouldn't let you go and said, this is it for you. This is the life that I want you to live. If that was you tonight, if you accepted Christ for the first time, don't leave this place without talking to somebody. Come talk to me. Come talk to Chris. Talk to Abby. Talk to one of our other leaders here. Because God wants you to be grounded not only in his word, but Father, uh, he also wants us to be grounded in fellowship with other believers. And so take on the task, be bold, and step up to the plate and talk to somebody tonight. For, all of us, for the rest of you, if God is challenging you tonight, if you feel like you need to talk to somebody, don't be afraid to come talk to us. We love you. That's why we're here. That's why we show up every week, because we love you and we want to be with you. All right? All right. Grace and peace. this.